and welcome to the week three episode of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows, and with me this week, in place of Mr. Is Mike Sunshine Austin. Welcome back to the show, sir. How's your week been, and what did you think of your first Spitball experience? I loved it. It was a very good experience, and my week is particularly good thanks to my fantasy team. Oh, fair play. And, of course, my swing of the week being correct, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, of course we will, yeah. Always good when you comes out well. So, um, okay, let's uh, move on. Hey, sunshine. It's not like I care nothing but being your roommate and all that. You was just messing with Bertil, right? You, 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 you just messed with his mind, right? You, you're not really. What are you talking about, Petey? Look, man, it don't matter to me. You know, if you know, if I just gotta know, you know. Uh, if it don't matter, what's the big deal? I gotta know. Know what? You know what? I gotta know. Don't mess with my mind. Like coach been keeping Petey out in the sun for too long, bro. We have quite a lot to cover from week three, so. Let's start with a match that you correctly called Sunshine. And that is the Dolphins versus Falcons match. What did you take from this matchup and who impressed you this week? Well, um, I was sort of expecting it to be honest. So, Of course, yeah, uh, you did d- call d- the d- result. Yeah, but, uh, the, the Dolphins just look impressive. Like Tannehill, 236 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, but it happens with young quarterbacks. They, they tend to throw them like rare that they don't in a game. Brian Hartline had 56 yards receiving on four receptions and a touchdown and using my fantasy team so that went well for me. Yeah you got a win and, this week um, in fantasy land didn't you? Yeah yeah it was it was a close game in fairness like it, it wasn't as one-sided as maybe I thought it could have been because I was very sure that the Dolphins would win Yeah. and when I saw that they were down at half time I was wondering but it's, um, it's it a really close game. It came down to field goals. Yeah, A brave call I think to pick the Dolphins to win though because uh, even though the, the Falcons have their moments they're still pretty uh, solid team usually and last season found a way to keep winning the close games with a last minute field goal so this is true I, it's hard to tell what the difference was in fairness because Tannehill and Ryan pretty much had an identical game I think uh, yeah Tannehill only threw five yards more than Ryan and that's the only difference they both threw two touchdowns and one interception Oh right, so okay. it's really evenly matched Julio Jones had an awesome game 115 yards oh Julio Jones yeah, yeah he's always going to have good games because Roddy White's not quite 100% at the moment so he's no, a great he's... one to have in my fantasy team yeah very much so yeah so he's getting a, a bulk load of the work and then obviously Tony Gonzalez as well so yeah so a great call and uh, congratulations on uh, having your first on air correct so uh, the Miami result wasn't the uh, the only surprise for me this week, it would seem that this week, as both the Bengals and the Browns won against Green Bay and Minnesota respectively, which of those results surprised you the most, Mike, and why? Uh, the Browns beating the Vikings. Yeah. Just because the Browns are the Browns, like the Bengals, I think look good, and I think they'll win their division this year, which I know you disagree with. Yeah, but, just um, I still I don't think, see past Baltimore, but. But um. The Browns, you just wouldn't expect someone like that. Peterson's own daughter, did you hear about this? No. Adrian Peterson's daughter said to him, I can't believe you lost to the Browns. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's, a, that's quite a quote. <laughs> and how did he um, respond to that? I don't know, I didn't see that. I just said what his daughter said to him. But um, It's an entertaining quote for you. But yeah, with the Bengals, obviously, you've got Dalton and, uh, and AJ Green, so quite a good combination there. Have they got much else? Well, they've got Tyler Eifert, haven't they? That, yeah, the rookie tight end. That's it, out of yeah. my college, Notre Dame. 
yeah, he's he's looking good, and their defense is really good as well. In fairness, yeah, like the defensive line is pretty good. They've got Ray Maluga at middle linebacker, and um, Leon Hall, cornerback. And they've got uh, it's Michael Johnson as well. They've got haven't they on the yeah. front line as well? So he's been playing pretty well recently. And Demarcus Pico. Who's that? Sorry, Pico. Loads of hair. Okay. Defensive tackle. No. No, is it down? No. <laughs> I thought Mo Mo Moolagi, middle linebacker. Maluga. Yeah. Maluga. Sorry, he's yeah. got a lot of hair but as they well. They got loads of people with hair. Sorry. They got those people with hair. It's all about <laughs> hair in Cincinnati. <laughs> Apparently so. But back to Cleveland, there was obviously a few good performances there. Big week for Cleveland as well. Taking out their starting quarterback, putting in their backup. Do we? Do we honestly think we didn't think that that was going to work? Obviously, both called that it was going to be a big swing in the Vikings' favor. Yeah, so we've got yeah, egg on our face a little bit there, courtesy of the Browns. But <laughs> I thought Peterson was going to do a lot better than he did as well. Yeah, because it's Peterson, and he's against the Browns. Like any, no one would against him for that that's it and if he wants to get two and a half thousand rushing yards this year he really needs to be getting one two hundred yards against the likes of the Browns doesn't yeah, he say exactly on the subject of surprise though um, surprise games wise Panthers Giants yeah we uh, I'll cover that actually on the uh, on the on this week's blog so I'll go into a bit more detail <laughs> in on that game and how not so well young Eli played but uh <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not been a great few weeks for him, so we'll we'll see what happens with them. Eli, nobody loves you. Your brother is so much hotter. Hey, tell me if this hurts. It's our job to end the game. Let's go get a pick and score. What can it be a sack? Whatever. Do something positive. I ain't offside. Bomb just quick like that. You're an idiot. Now we move into a new segment in the show that I would like to call Bullhawk's Mailbag. Debate. In this segment, we will answer as many of your questions as possible. If you have any questions, whether it be about the week's action or anything NFL related, then please uh, get them to us before midday every Tuesday uh, via the following methods. You can tweet us at BallHawksNest. You can find our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash BallHawksNest. Or you can email us at BallHawksNest.com at gmail.com so we go into the first question question one from Mickey Big Dog Hog who asks what is wrong with Stephen Ridley <laughs> um, I think he's asking that because he's not been very productive for his fantasy team what do you think there Mike well yeah it, last season he had a very good year but it was mainly due to the fact that teams aren't prepared for Patriots to have a running game it's all Brady and obviously he was pretty much unproven he had over a thousand yards rushing so obviously this season people are now looking out for him and Brady with his lack of receivers they're going to have to watch the running game more and they have they pretty much stopped him like Legarette Blount had a better game than him yeah he was um, actually a good signing I think a good pick up for them from uh, Tampa yeah, to be he honest is, he's a good player but Vereen's probably not good enough to be the starting back at the moment and so, he's more a quick sort of outside running back than just running up the middle And I thought Vereen did really well as a change of pace back last year and I think that's probably why he had a bit more success because Ridley was obviously going for the the ground it and run it straight up the gut and then you had Vereen just to come in for the, the quick outside burst and things yeah, like that well, so. Vereen had an incredible game in week one but he's injured unfortunately oh is he I think, yeah I think when he comes back it's, um, they'll give him a nice nice third option there running back between uh, Blunt and Ridley yeah I, I think he'd probably be better than Ridley as, as Ridley's playing at the moment oh right okay yeah to, to Mickey I apologise on behalf of the Patriots <laughs> don't apologise for a fantasy win that's, that's <laughs> you never want to do that <laughs> We move on to question two. What sets the Seattle defense apart from all other defenses this year? Um, people like Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman. Just the the whole defense is full of playmakers and 
perfect defensive players, effectively. You've got Mabane on the um, the defensive line. I think was out this week, actually, in fairness. But, um, yeah, their whole defence is just full of incredible players. Just pretty sure their defensive coordinator's pretty impressive as well, although I'm not too sure. Yeah, they had a, a good year last year, didn't they? And they've kind of improved in the right places. Although they lost uh, Branch, I think, played for Seattle last year, didn't he, before he went to Buffalo. So, although they've lost him, they've obviously filled that gap and got quite a few players there now in that front seven who are just going to stuff the run and obviously with their offence as well putting pressure on the opposing offences then it's going to maybe force them to have to go into that coverage with the likes of Sherman and Thomas and yeah, try and they, get them they to work, come from behind they work incredibly as a unit as well uh, they are the best defence in the league pretty much like they, they would have been up there with maybe a couple of years ago Baltimore really we're going to try and put them in that people. sort of stature yeah, are we uh, I, I think they're one of the best defences I've seen in a long time so with that do we think Seattle could go unbeaten this year or as close to it? They're not going to go unbeaten, I don't think. Just because Russell Wilson, it's only his second year, he still probably has some inconsistency in him. So, not unbeaten, but what, what, what uh, do you reckon? What kind of record win, do you reckon? They'll win the NFC West. Um, yeah. I haven't had a look at the schedule, to be honest. So, as it comes to their record, I'm not sure. But I reckon you'd be looking at around something like 11-5. Yeah. And winning the division as well. Yeah. Oh, fair play. Now we move on to question three, which uh, has a couple of parts to it. Which of the three and O teams is the biggest surprise, and which of the O and three teams has the best chance of turning it around? Well, of the three and O teams, the biggest surprise for me, and maybe not yourself, there, Mike, is probably the Dolphins. I did not expect them to go three and O. I know I said at the start of the year. I think it was more in jest than anything, to be honest. Even though. I slightly believed that the Dolphins and the, the Bills were going to overpower the Patriots this year, but out of the two of those teams, obviously Miami are the only ones that are actually stepping up to the plate and, and doing that. Yeah, I was expecting this from Miami throughout the offseason because I thought Tannehill would just be better this year. Not to mention the additions they made as well, yeah. with having bringing Ellaby onto the defence, uh, having Mike Wallace there as a, a receiver as well, the big money they spent on him. Yeah, exactly. They only really had Devon Best as the best receiver last year. And yeah, the, the defence has been good for a little while. People like Cameron Wake are just incredible, and Koa Misi. Um, so I was expecting that from them. The the 3-0 and that shocks me the most is the Bears. Yeah. Just because I don't really rate Jay Cutler. Um, but they're, they're working that offence well around him yeah, now, aren't they? Because yeah, they he's are. having more time on his feet. They've brought this up a couple of times, I know, um, on Sky, that the amount of sacks, I think, in the first two games last year he'd been sacked about nine yeah, times or something exactly. but he's only been sat he'd only been sacked once going into this weekend so and obviously Matt Forte is good um, and Brandon Marshall's one of the best receivers in the league yeah although his head can go um, yeah so yeah they're the biggest surprise for me of the other teams and they've picked up Martellius Bennett as well as tight end as well who's True. a great addition for them because you need someone to take the pressure off Marshall and if if Marshall's being double covered cupboard sorry not cupboard because that's something you put things in <laughs> maybe they were putting Marshall in the cupboard and that's why um, so you need someone to be coming across the middle there making those short completions just to keep the drive alive I think they, it's they have had good tie-ins before though unless they had Greg Olson who was pretty damn good yeah but letting him go obviously yeah he's been at Panthers yeah. now for a couple of seasons pretty much since Cam Newton's been there I think cause yeah. he's been his probably his main target since he's moved to the Panthers so yeah, so any other 0-3 teams that maybe surprise you or have the best chance of turning it around? Now, I know that uh, Big Dog wanted us to mention the fact that little 
nugget for you. This is actually the first time in NFL history that both the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins have started the season 0-3. What do we make of that? But the Redskins are definitely a surprise. Because uh, from the RG3, his reign at the Redskins, you don't expect this from them. Like making the playoffs last year and in the last game. Uh, just, yeah, it's been quite a surprise. What's happening there, do you think? Because their defence seems to have gone to pot as well. Do we think that's because maybe the defence is spending more time on the field? So they're having more pressure put on them? Whereas last year, obviously, with how productive RG3 and Alfred Morris were, then maybe that's another reason for their defence. Another thing as well, I don't think they're using Morris enough this year. They seem to be trying to encourage RG3 back into the game and maybe forcing him to throw more than he should be just because he didn't have that time in the preseason. Yeah, also, I think the league is just dealing with rushing quarterbacks better. If you look at all of the rushing quarterbacks, none of them are doing what... Like, Russell Wilson's playing well, but he only had 14 yards on his feet on the weekend, and Kaepernick, obviously, has just been shut down all season. Same thing's happening to RG3. I think maybe the league is just learning to deal with this new type of quarterback now. Yeah. Whereas before it was a new thing, so no one really knew how to deal with that. But with as quickly as the coaches adjust, that's what we're saying as to maybe that's why RG3 is finding it a bit more difficult. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Next up, we have some questions from a man so dedicated to the show that even when he can't make the recording sessions because he's studying or working, he sends us in some mailbag questions. I'm sure you can guess by now that I am, of course, referring to Marcus. <laughs> Henson and his question this is the second week in a row that Kaepernick has failed to produce as we were just talking about do we think this is down to poor team performances or have defences come up with a way to counter his athleticism well I think as you were just saying there Mike we think it's more down to the the defences adjusting to how these quarterbacks are playing and, and coming up with ways to counter the read option yeah exactly also the, the 49ers missing Crabtree is an issue but not as much of an issue as he used to get bold in. But, um, you, yeah, I guess you can't really blame it on lack of targets because you've got Vernon Davis and Anquan Bolden. So, yeah. Frank Gore out just, the backfield, worst yeah. case scenario. It's just teams learning to deal with them better. I'm not really sure what's going on with the 49ers at the moment. I, I feel for you, Wolf, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're like, they killed the Packers in week one. And since then, they've just looked awful. I don't really feel sorry for him because of the amount of stick he gives me for being a Bills fan, so it's about True. time that Niners fans got brought down to their knees a little bit, I think. But anyway, so yeah, he only got round to sending us one question this week, unfortunately, did young Marcus. So we move on to another old faithful from the show, and that would be uh, EJ The Hood Elgin. He's actually sent in some questions for us. One. What coach is currently on the hot seat? Who do we think's job may be at risk? at this stage of the season, bearing in mind the, the 0 and 3 teams we've mentioned with uh, with the Redskins and the Giants, etc. Now, Coughlin's always under pressure because he's in New York, but was, is there anything I was about to say Coughlin, just because New York, as Marcus touched on last week, actually, um, is one of the hardest places to play or be a coach, just because New York expects so much of their teams. Coughlin might have a bit more leeway than others because of the two Super Bowls. Yeah, that should give you um, a little bit of uh, leeway. Yeah, if they don't turn it around soon, I think they'll certainly be a lot of heat on him it would, is he the sort of coach that you think maybe they would get rid of him during the season or is it they would see how this season pans out and if it is another losing season or uh, not winning the division then they will just um, knock it on the head and say thanks you've won us two Super Bowls but we need to move on now so you'd like to think they'd give him to the end of the season in fairness because he's done quite a lot for them but I, I guess we'll see you don't really know what's going to happen no, is anyone else you think might be in danger don't say Doug Moran. 
Um, no one I can really think of at the moment. Like only three games have been played. To be honest, so it's like Shanahan. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. He's not so much. Obviously, he's not really particularly accomplished. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah he's done a lot for the team, doesn't he? So yeah, wasn't he? He was in charge of the Denver teams that did so well in the early nineties, wasn't he? So true, but the the Redskins late 90s, have been sorry. awful under him until the signing of RG three. He sort of just picked it up a bit. Yeah, but now that that's leveling out again, they they're going back to being pretty poor. Two. Here's one for you. Would he fire his son first before he got the chop? That's a good question. I, I, I did. Okay. Three. Will Green Bay and San Francisco make the playoffs given their one and two starts? Yeah, I think one of them will probably get themselves a, a wild card spot, maybe, if it keeps going this way. Is that likely um, to come from San Francisco because of their division? When you think of the, the NFC West, you look at the other teams around them in, in St. Louis and Arizona. If we're saying Seattle are going to win it, then potentially they have the best chance as opposed to the NFC North which has Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota. This is true, yeah. So yeah, 49ers are probably more likely because you'd think Minnesota are going to turn their luck around. You would hope so. You would think. And obviously the Bears being 3-0 and the Lions are playing well so the Packers definitely have a lot of work to do. So I'm going to hold you to this. Are we going to say San Fran will turn it around and Green Bay won't? Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Four. What was your best play of the week? Whether that be a catch, do you, do you have one? If not, there is some top five catches from the courtesy of NFL.com on this week's blog, which I strongly recommend everyone checks out. And that's at www.bullhawksnest.weebly.com and click on the lowdown link and you'll be able to see the uh, the top five catches from this week. There, there was some absolute beauties, but do anything? It doesn't have to be a catch that uh, stands out. But I haven't had a chance to watch any of the football from this weekend yet. Due okay. to work and feeling unwell. Okay, yeah, so, unfortunately yeah. Mike's uh, a bit under the weather, but he's still recorded with us anyway, which is always good. So I'm afraid EJ will have to uh, slightly bypass that one and uh, let you check the uh, top five plays out on the website. Finally, there's some lots of terminology obviously that floats around the NFL. So just to try and give maybe some of the... Uh, the new listeners or the new players that, that have come in, come into our team, for example, that may be listening to this podcast, just to feel for around the rules. If I can explain the uh, the term encroachment for you, when both the offensive and defensive lines line up alongside the ball, there is a space, it's about half a yard in between where the ball is and the defensive line are, um, known as the neutral zone. Now, no player is actually allowed into the neutral zone before the ball is actually snapped. So if a defender happens to step into the neutral zone before the ball is snapped, causing an offensive line member to move, that is why they would then be flagged for encroachment. And on the terminology front, finally, we've been asked by one of our listeners to explain the term pocket, as in he is a pocket passer or they flushed him out of the pocket. The pocket is the area behind the line of scrimmage in between the hash masks on the offensive side of the ball. It's also usually the area where the linemen form almost a U-shape around the quarterback when they are trying to protect him. If a quarterback deliberately throws the ball out of bounds when he is in this area, he is usually given a penalty for intentional grounding because they have made no effort to complete a pass. Some examples of pocket passers are the likes of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning as they rarely move outside of this area or run and scramble to complete passes as per uh, the likes of Colin Kaepernick and Michael Vick. So bad, but so good. (coughs) 
are you? Flash Gordon, quarterback, New York Jets. This is the American fantasy right here. A professional NFL player is called upon to save the world. Yeah. Tom Brady could do that. Tom Brady could do that. We now move on to the awards section of the show, which is our offensive and defensive impact players, aka the Megatron, Megatron. and Mr. Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis awards. Sunshine. I shall let you start off with the Megatron. Award and your runner-up, please. So my Megatron runner-up is Megatron himself. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah always good when the uh, the award <laughs> people get a mention. It's 115 yards receiving and a touchdown. It's just as a receiver goes, that's a pretty solid game. He made a and great effort as well. On um, I seem to remember a play where he was just fingertips away from making an excellent diving catch after uh, Hall had got called for pass interference on him as well. So. Looked good. He gave it his best effort. If he'd have pulled it off as well, it would have been just the most amazing catch in the back of the end zone. So. Yeah, I've pretty much just had to go on stats this week, so I haven't had a chance to watch anything yet. But no I'll, be, I'll be catching it up on all the football tomorrow. Okay. Well, my runner-up for the <laughs> award is actually Jake Locker, quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. I now I saw that he had a pretty good game. He so. did, and I think... He had uh, completed 23 of 37 passes for 299 yards and the all-important game-winning touchdown. He also had five rushes for 68 yards and a touchdown. Looking good, managed to control the game, pulled off a great win for them as well this week, I thought. And the game-winning touchdown throw to Justin Hunter with just 15 seconds left on the clock really showed his composure when it was needed. It was definitely an upset. You, no one would have expected the Titans to have won that game. No. So yeah, on that front, I, I agree with your choice. Excellent. Okay, we now move on to the award winner. And who is your offensive impact player for week three? I gave it to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah, amazing game. Uh, 202 yards, which obviously isn't that, but before touchdowns. Like when they were on the goal line, they were using Russell Wilson as opposed to Marshall Lynch, which is madness. You'd think when it's like third and one on the goal line, you would just have Lynch just run out of the middle. Instead, they were just... Yeah, a little dump off to Zach Miller in the end zone. So you're giving it to him um, despite the relatively easy opposition he had? Yeah, but they even took him out of the game. And I, I know, obviously, Tavares Jackson rushed for a touchdown at, at quarterback as well. <laughs> that he did, yeah. But um, yeah, as I said, I haven't had a chance to watch much of it, so I was going on stats. But it's, it's Wilson. I may be biased by the fact that I like Russell Wilson as well. And that you've got him as your quarterback he, in he your fantasy me, team. He helped me beat Mickey, yeah. Well... Following on the, the quarterback front, actually, again, for the third week in a row, I've actually picked a quarterback as my winner for the Megatron Award. So I really think these players around the league on offense need to step it up in the wide receiver and running back positions because I'm almost getting sick of talking about quarterbacks and giving them the award, but it's difficult to look past them at the moment. This week's winner for me is Brian Hoyer from the Cleveland Browns. We mentioned earlier about the upset against the Vikings now. You should see the look I'm getting from Mike right now for giving him the award. But completing 30 of 54 passes for 321 yards, three touchdowns. Now, I know he threw three interceptions, but when it mattered, he got the job done ultimately. Let's not forget, he was under pressure as well because he was put in to start in place of Whedon. And he got the much-needed win, the reason why he was put in there in the first place, leaving us both with egg on our face. So, congratulations to Brian Hoyer and Russell Wilson for being this week's Offensive Impact Player. 
So if you can uh, take the look of disgust off your face now, <laughs> the, your, the evil looks I'm getting right now is unbelievable. So we move on to our Mr. Award, and I will start if that's okay with my runner-up. I've gone with. Greg Hardy, defensive end for the Carolina Panthers. We talked earlier about how now the Giants are 0-3. big part of that was the Panthers this week. Greg Hardy had uh, eight total tackles, including three sacks, and contributed to a defense to shut out the New York Giants, which is a tough feat, to be fair. So um, he was my runner-up this week. How about yourself? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I liked Hardy already. He's a great player. But the Panthers just holding the Giants to no points. You had to pick someone off their defense. Yeah, and Hardy was fantastic. He just said it all. In fairness, so. oh, he was your runner-up as well, was yeah. he? He was. Oh wow, that's <laughs> uncanny. Nearly gave him the win. Ah, um, right. Okay. Well, then um, I'm wondering if perhaps we uh, we both picked the same winner then for the uh, Mister Award. I'll let you go first, though. I gave it to Demarcus Ware. Ah, okay. He had a great game. Um, yeah, for the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, five tackles, one assist, and two sacks, and. He just he controlled the defense and just played amazingly. It also entertains me that Wolf benched him after persevering. I really Wolf season. benched him Wolf this benched week. Him for this week, yeah, and he he played well. Excellent, good player. Yep. So my winner this week for the defensive impact player. He was part of an extremely destructive defense that uh, took apart the Eagles, and that is the Kansas City linebacker Justin Houston. In this match, he had seven tackles, which included four and a half sacks and a forced fumble. I'm sure Mr. Ray Lewis himself would be very proud of how that defense played against the Eagles and just uh, took them apart. I mean, the amount of turnovers they got was just criminal. And Mickey, you really should have started them as your defense this week. Because <laughs> Thank you, Mickey, for not. I don't know why you pick someone up off the waiver wire thinking they're going to have a good week and then not start them. But hopefully for you, sir... Lesson learned, big dog. What's up, big boy? Nice job. Way to get us over there, baby. Hey, uh, old school game. This is our game, right? This is our kind of game. Finally, let us finish off by talking about the international series match this weekend, and that is the Vikings and the Steelers. What has happened to both of these teams as they've both started 0-3? The Steelers lost some important players over pre-season. Um, like? Well, Heinz Ward retiring didn't help, but obviously he, he was past it anyway. But Mike Wallace leaving yeah. um, has benefited the Dolphins, but has really not helped them. Roethlisberger doesn't have that many options to throw to at the moment. What about the likes of Harrison leaving as well? Yeah, James Harrison is. I'm really disappointed. I'm not seeing him at Wembley. He was one of the ones I really wanted to watch play. Yeah, because he's the man. He is a um, great player. Polamalu's been quiet as well, except for that one ridiculous play where I don't know how he managed to time that snap count, but he timed it so perfectly that he came running in as the quarterback was was going through his usual snap count. And just as the ball snapped, you see Polamalu fly over the line of scrimmage yeah, and get the sack. He's done it before. Like, do you remember? He did that once, I think it was last season, like on the goal line. He just jumped the line of scrimmage completely and landed on the quarterback as he took the snap. That's he phenomenal. Actually, he jumped before it was snapped. So when he crossed the line, just as this ball was snapped, but he was off the floor before the ball, so I don't know how he how he read that. Oh, right, okay, so, so yeah. That's an impressive play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, How you read the game that well. Yeah, other than that, he's been quite quiet this year. And what about the Vikings? Because they look to improve. They made some good signings. Obviously, they had three first-round picks in the draft. Signed Corderell Patterson, Patterson, 
who is looking at a reasonable receiver actually and um, hoping that he's going to do that 84 shirt proud yeah but you, you need more than a reasonable receiver at the moment um, like losing Percy Harvin to the Seahawks admittedly they gained Jennings from the Packers but and they've it, got a great tight end in Rudolph like, as well to be fair I think yeah Carl Rudolph is playing well and they've got obviously the best running back in the league um, so to be honest it's hard to tell what is actually going wrong with them at the moment maybe defence they're lacking a bit but even on defence they've got people like Greenway and Henderson and obviously Jared Allen yeah and they've got Harrison Smith at safety as well actually as having uh, met the guy now I have to make sure I give him the plugs <laughs> that he needs and he is playing really well to be fair yeah I, I literally don't understand what's going on with the Vikings I think it was last week when I saw Smith get an amazing pick actually twice the, well I thought it was going to be twice the game but obviously it turned out not to be but yeah I can't see an actual reason for them to be losing. Like Ponder is a good quarterback. I'm going to give you a look at discuss now. Makes quite a lot of mistakes. You don't have not, not a fan of Ponder. He's had some good performances, but whether I'd go so far as to call him a good quarterback or not, I don't know. I'd probably good put him in the same. I'd put him in the same league as Fitzpatrick, probably. That's harsh. I think. <laughs> you can give Brian Hoyer an award. But you can't say that. Ponder's a good quarterback. Well, Brian Hoyer deserved it this week. Probably just because of learning from Brady that happened. Well, maybe he was Brady's understudy, so you exactly. know that could be why. Not only do we have the game itself between the Vikings and the Steelers this weekend, there are a few other events going on around London, starting with the block party on Saturday, the 28th of September, in Regent Street, London, between 12 p.m. and 6 p.m. The NFL will take over the street, and the fans will have the chance to meet some of the players. There'll be some chance to have a picture with the Lombardi Trophy enjoy performances from the cheerleaders which including myself the fans over here do love and the cheerleaders do tend to be more popular sometimes than the players that's all good fun the fun does not stop there though as the fan bus will be touring the uk with the cheerleaders and lombardi trophy for the next month giving fans everywhere the chance to have their picture taken with the prestigious trophy please check the show notes for a link to the dates and locations where you too can catch up with the fan bus if you're not going to the game this weekend well, that wraps it up from us and hopefully we shall see some of you at the fan event on Saturday or even at the game on Sunday and until next week football fans stay safe and take care